Well, good morning, everyone. So this is Rebecca Golter, the Director of Marketing Events at the National Retail Association. We are having a cozy winter catch up with Yasmin Grigalunas from the world's biggest garage sale. Boy, I hope I said your name right. And we've also got Neville, and I'm not even going to try with your surname, Neville, from Lamb Agency. And today we're talking about how Yasmin and the world's biggest garage sale have ended up being the lucky recipient of the Digital Lifeline Award. Um, so yeah, I'm Neville Kieski. Um, it's a little bit uh, easier to say than probably spell. Um, and I'm the business development uh, manager, ecom strategist with Lamb Agency, um, one of Australia's leading ecom agencies based in uh, the lovely, sunny downtown Brisbane, or Bris Vegas as we like to call it. No one calls it Bris Vegas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Stop trying to make it happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Um, Yaz, tell us a little bit about World's Biggest Garage Sale. Well, Beck, um, World's Biggest Garage Sale, we are a circular economy um, organisation and we activate dormant goods for good. And that basically means all the idle items sitting in consumers and businesses across the country. We're talking billions of dollars worth of product just sitting idle. And we really came into the scene many years ago uh, to hold a garage sale to raise money for charity and it exploded into this uh, circular economy behemoth that discovered a gap in the market uh, in, in a really new space where we were able to connect community and purpose and impact around the visibility and traceability of items flowing through that secondhand and circular economy, rescuing resources that other people think and feel are too hard or don't have capacity to do. Um, and, and so we're there to support. We really feel um, passionate about being a connector in the whole entire resale retail market space. Yeah, absolutely. So Neville, can you give us a little bit of background on why you decided to start this campaign and, and why you partnered with the National Retail Association on this? Yeah, certainly, Beck. Um, for us, it came about because of um, in the early stages of COVID-19, what we were starting to see was um, retailers and merchants that had wealth considered and thought out e-com strategies and web stores that were built as web stores not as websites were actually transacting at higher than normal rates and those rates kept on going exponentially up we saw some of our merchants hitting triple digit numbers in a in a retail economy that everybody was saying we were heading into a recession um, and that led um, myself and um, our managing director greg nelson to sit down and kind of go okay We've got a wealth of knowledge here within the LAM agency. What can we really do to give back to the community? What, and by the community, we meant the broader community um, across the business sector in the APAC region. Um, so we sat down, um, put together uh, this wonderful program. We're able to engage with um, quite a few different partners along the way, um, taking on board uh, partner agencies like Akendo, Shopify, ShipStation. Uh, the NRA came on board, uh, thankfully, and assisted us to get it out to their members. Um, and basically, we, we drove forward with that model, giving away um, just shy of $100,000 worth of a digital package for the lucky recipient. Um, so went through that process, and we had some amazing um, um, connections from potential clients uh, with the agency to win this uh, initiative. 
Um, there were some absolutely heartbreaking stories as well, as you can probably imagine, with, with businesses uh, that were imploding through no fault of their own. Um, but we obviously had to make a choice and um, we rested on uh, World's Biggest Garage Sale. And the reason we came to uh, aligning ourselves with the World's Biggest Garage Sale was primarily a lot of their ethos of their brand resonates very closely to the the culture and the ethos within Lamb Agency. Um, it was very uh, warming and uh, yeah, almost teary to hear the the passion from Yaz and her team about how they take products and re inject them back into the society. Um, taking uh, products that would either be sitting obsolete in somebody's house or even down to um, her strategic relationships with, with companies like Officeworks mm. and, um, you know, taking goods that are returned, end of life, uh, faulty. Uh, by faulty, I mean they've been opened and returned um, or uh, a change of colourway and then pushing that back out into the market rather than ending up in landfill. Um, one of the biggest challenges we've all got living in, 2020 and, and moving forward to the next five, 10 years is is how do we get sustainability and how do we ensure that that sustainability also gives us uh, job growth and uh, encouragement of young unemployed uh, people into the marketplace. So it was those type of feelings that was just, it was a natural fit. It was kind of like that, that piece of the jigsaw puzzle that just locked straight in. Absolutely. Um, so, Yaz, you're no stranger to sort of turning on a dime when it comes to your business. I mean, we're all familiar with the Shoes of Prey pop-up that you did at Winter Garden. I even did a couple of shifts there selling some gorgeous shoes. I lost money working there because I bought more shoes. Um, <laughs> so Yaz is very good at that. <laughs> she is, yeah, she's so good at that. Don't work for Yaz, you'll lose money. No, I'm kidding. Um, so obviously you have solidified yourself as knowing very much what to do when it comes to physical stores, you know, when you're doing your garage sales and things like that. How would you describe your current website? <laughs> do you know, the funniest thing is yesterday on Facebook, I had a memory pop up from 10 years ago when I actually started on Facebook and it was really excited to be here at the online retailers conference in Sydney, which was like the first, I think, ever conference. And it was back when I saw um, the She's a Prey team present and I was like, oh, my God, these people are amazing. Anyway, um, I went on and launched um, online stores for um, Video Pro at the time, um, which was done really quite reasonably well uh, for someone that didn't really know about anything to do with online stores 10 years ago. Um, so coming into the world's biggest garage sale, which was all very physical presence, it was all about engaging our customers. Tens of thousands of people would walk through our doors. And for me, I was always like, oh my gosh, will they ever want to buy online from us? They love the essence and the, the feeling of that. And that's why I'm always a big passionate believer that, um, you know, there's this beautiful bricks and mortar and mm. online continued collaboration and presence in community. Um, and I always did wonder how we would transition our customers online. COVID kind of gave us no choice to go, the doors are shut. We better get this start site um, going. And look, we had this Shopify plug-in on our site. It sits on the side. It's reasonably okay. It had a few little products online. Um, so we could say we were online <laughs> about a year ago. <laughs> Omnichannel, right? Um, and we realised, oh, my goodness, thank God we did that a year ago because now we can upload the products. And we did. We spent a bit of time getting products online and it was a bit clunky. Um, 
but it started to achieve impact and outcomes. And, you know, sales were coming through, we were shipping products out, we were, you know, I was really going back to my roots of 10 years ago and I was really just guiding and corralling the team who had no idea what to do with online retail. Um, and so it was a big transformation for our company. Um, and I won't lie, I'm a bit, I am, I was, and probably still am a little a bit embarrassed of our store. Like it's certainly not of the standard that we um, see ourselves at, but in startup you learn that it's not perfect and it's okay and that there's this thing called MVP and it's not most valuable player, but it's minimum viable product. And so we really had a minimum viable product online that was transacting and cutting through and our customers were getting used to shopping online and we were shipping into state really quickly when COVID shut our events down. So when we saw the, um, the, the digital media around the digital lifeline from LAM, the first thing I did was go and research who LAM were. And I was like, who are these people and what do they do? Um, because I didn't want to apply for something if I didn't feel that there was going to be a values alignment. Like we don't like to work with people unless they hit that. And it's so hard to explain to traditional businesses, but um, love, right? It's about the love. Our business has love intertwined into the center and the, the, the epicenter of our organization is love. And if people are all about transactions and not about relationships, then they're not likely to do business and we're not likely to do business with them. It's just who we are as a company. So I was wrapped to see that. And then we thought we'd throw a hat in the ring. And who, I, I remember the phone call, Neville. <laughs> there was definitely an F-bomb there. <laughs> when you told I, us. I, I, I tell you what, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I haven't known uh, um, Yaz for probably as long as you have back, but um, I would say that uh, Yaz is very gifted with uh, speech and uh, normally there is no issue getting a conversation out of it. When I, uh, when I made the phone call and I probably played a little bit of a, a bad joke and kind of led her down the path that she thought she had one yes, she did. Um, and then um, announced that she had, um, there was, first of all, quite a lengthy silence and then there was a couple of expletives, of which she apologised to me profusely and I'm like, it's all fine, I, I totally get it. But, uh, yeah, it's the first time I've ever heard Yaz actually speechless. There was nothing coming out of it. I actually thought I'd lost the, the, the connection. It was just like radio silence. So, um, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was wonderful to, to see through the whole iteration from initial contacts with Yaz right through to when she won. Um, and yeah, she talks about the heart and the love and obviously it's represented right from their logo, but you know, anybody that has the opportunity, um, now that Queensland has relaxed some of the, um, the COVID restrictions, go out and visit their new store. It, it really is that love just kind of, it's like walking into this love, love bomb of, uh, retailing. It's, it's amazing. And a credit to her and her team. Amazing. Well, look, you've both touched on a couple of good points there. I want to start out with Yaz um, going omni-channel. Um, see, what you said there about not having to be perfect and just getting something up, I think that's something a lot of retailers are struggling with right now. So the word of the last three months has been pivot and it's all been, you know, go omni-channel, just go and do it. A lot of people I find have been agonising over the best way to do it. So what's your advice to retailers who are struggling in this environment, trying to get onto the internet and start selling their products? 
Yeah, look, um, it's actually the person that runs and looks after our products that go online happens to both be my husband and co-founder and a fierce, obsessive, compulsive perfectionist. So let's just say that uh, if it wasn't for a few poking sticks and a little bit of jousting, um, we probably still wouldn't have the products we have online. Online, Because even again, like uh, it is a little bit cringy at times when you look at some of the products, I'm like, oh, that's not quite what we're trying to say or do. But done is better than not done. Online is better than perfect. And for us, you know, we've really pushed that it's not perfect and it's okay. Just get more products online. Just get more products online. And every day we have a stand up and it's how many products went online yesterday. And, it's, and for a few days in a row, it was none. I'm taking photographs, none. I'm getting them perfect, none. I need a white background, none. I need better lighting. And I'm like, just freaking do it. I don't care about the images. I don't care if they're not named right. I don't care. And it was like the whole team, like we were all joking and we're very open and honest here. There's no hierarchy. No one's the boss. We're just all doing our best to execute every day. And that's probably the word, Beck, is execution. Like we say, you know, just forking do it, JFDI, because... Um, our customers, we have this product, we're sitting on inventory. It's ridiculous we can't open our doors um, to get it out into the market. Not ridiculous bad, like we would never open our doors, but it's ridiculous that we're sitting on this inventory. Um, it's flowing in, we've got the products. We've got it. It's our responsibility because especially because of the sector we're in, resale, retail, lower priced items, getting these goods back into the hands of people that need them the most at a lower price than generally available right now. And it's irresponsible of us to just sit on it and wait for perfect. So um, we definitely had to get out of our comfort zone. We all had to lower our standards and we laugh about the way some products look right now. And we laugh about how crappy the photo might be. And we laugh about that it might not be named right and that there might be a spelling mistake, but it's online and it's selling and we're pushing out to all different channels now and actually even shipping internationally. Can you believe it? We actually wow. ship this internationally, well which is crazy, right? <laughs> what an achievement. And, 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 and I think, Beck, to take Yaz's comment about lowering standards, I don't see it as a lowering of standard. Mm. We kind of try and encourage our merchants. It's about progress over perfection yes. or before perfection. Um, and the, the whole MVP is that minimal viable product, but it's down to, you know what, Yaz and her team don't upload the wrong product to the wrong item. That's just um, breaking of standards and just failure of systems. But it is kind of going, okay, the system we've got today yeah. doesn't have to be the system we've got in a month, six months and 12 months. Yeah. And I'd, I'd really encourage any retailers to kind of just jump and literally do what Yaz has done and where we've seen retailers that have kind of gone from being that traditional market set and just jumping into um, whether it's one channel or whether it is omni-channel across so many different trading platforms as there are now in Australia, whether it's the the Catch, the eBay, the Amazon, the Trade Me, et cetera. Um, there's almost another marketplace brings up every other month at the moment. But, yeah, it is just down to um, getting on board and actually putting yourself out there because um, I would challenge any retailer that's not online digitally at the moment, would you... Uh, put black hoarding around the front of your bricks and mortar store with a big chain and leave it like that for six months and expect people to walk in. No, no you wouldn't because that's insanity. So why do you do that online? At least put yourself out there. Yeah. yeah. 
visual merchandising is not just a bricks and mortar tactic. Ex for sure. Exactly. And the more people uh, think of the digital space as just another format of retailing, and it's a retailing that exists 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is. Um, and yeah, brilliant. Yes, and any merchant will tell you the amount of sales they get at night when their store would traditionally be closed is one of the greatest advantages you can have. Oh, it is. Uh, last night I was answering a customer on Facebook asking us questions because she was trying to check out to buy shoes <laughs> and it was 10.30 at night. I'm like, this is heaven. I want that sort of stuff to happen because for us it means more jobs, more yeah. opportunity, more growth. And for us, especially in the sector that we're not only selling in, but the sector we're employing in around disadvantaged unemployed youth, which is the largest growing unemployed sector in the country right now, especially yep. with COVID yes. it's been even more accelerated. We've got three kids in today and they're amazing. And, you know, we're teaching them retail. We're teaching them um, repair. We're, we're teaching them all of these skills, but most importantly, like we're in the business of growing people and then people will grow our business. If we look after our people, the rest just happens around you. And for us, we on purpose want to employ those who might otherwise be overlooked in the community. Yeah. You're a human nursery. <laughs> and we give love, right? It's love. And let me just tell you, it's so good. Like it's not work. Both Donna and myself, we've just like this last week, especially, <laughs> I've barely been able to sleep. There's so much going on at the moment. The energy that we have going on through this building when orders do come in online, when customers make inquiries, when people repair products that would have otherwise been turfed, it is such a mojo energy fuel cell that yep. how can you not want to get out of bed every day and come and work in an environment like this? And not just us, right? I'm not pitching us. I'm pitching this style of business. This is how all businesses you know, if you're built with purpose, you are a business of the future and a business yeah. now. And how is that, how is an agency can you not want to work with a client that's talking this type of language to you the whole way through? So it was this type of energy that was, you know, the final tick on the on the process for us. Amazing. So Neville, I have to ask what's the next steps here or what advice would you give to the retailers who are looking to build their site? What's your strategy and how can that sort of translate to your average retailer? Um, I think the, the first strategy that uh, all retailers should do is, is self-educate themselves. And by self-educating, that can be as simple as picking up the phone and speaking to somebody like myself or somebody like myself in another agency and actually picking our brains because so many of us out there have, have walked the walk and talked the talk. I haven't always been agency side. Um, my previous role, I was the chief technical officer of a Shopify plus merchant on the Gold Coast. Um, so I've been through what most merchants have been. I took a business that was, uh, I was in a business that took a business that was traditional retail and took them totally online. Um, and you know, it's, it's a very scary, daunting task, but, you know, the only way that you can kind of resolve those type of uh, daunting tasks is to share the problems. Um, a problem shared is a problem halved. And, you know, engage with people like ourselves or the NRA and get advice. There is, there is a plethora of tools out in the marketplace that you can start with. But I would really encourage, you know, any of your retailers that aren't, already online to, to just reach out and engage with somebody, have a conversation. It doesn't, we don't charge anything to pick my brains for 20 minutes up now. Um, it's, you know, 
I would say probably one of the best investments that you could ever make. Um, and whether you consider then moving forward and engaging with us, and we, we talk about you know, writing a brief, doing a scope, building out a proposal, um, or even if it's just like it pushes you down another, down another vein and you go, you know what, I'm going to consider eBay or I'm going to consider Catch or Amazon, just at least jump and do it, get online. Um, a business that's not online in 2020, um, I really don't know whether there is um, a long-term future for them within the retail landscape. There will always be a part within in the the stratosphere for traditional retail, but I think you really need to be connected to your to your clientele. And where we see brands that do it very well, if we think of one that's local Queensland based, would be Culture King. Their yes. digital experience versus their retail experience is seamless, and it's where you've got that seamless journey from digital physical that it really goes to that next level and you know i've spoken with with all of the team at culture kings and i know that they would not have the retail stores that they have if they didn't have the digital so um so many retailers are scared of digital as they think it's going to diminish their retail experience can i tell you from being inside merchants what it does is it actually increases the value proposition and the average checkout cart in a physical store because people will be in the store with their Apple or their Android device, sorry, and they'll actually browse and actually come up to the counter and go, oh, I'm after one of these. Where do I find this in the store? So it's like having that additional salesperson within your store helping to drive extra sales both physically and digitally. So, yeah, just reach out and, as Yaz has said, you know, just just do it. Like it, it really is. Do that MVP and, and get online. Yeah, and Neville, like what you said there is so um, resonates so much. Like especially around, like, I will tell you right now, we almost did not apply. And what convinced me to apply? Well, here's what went through my head. I was like, oh, we're not really good enough as an e-commerce <laughs> to apply. I don't know if we should. Oh, they're gonna fix it. Oh, I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't. And then Donna was in my seat. She's like, yes, we have to. We're e-commerce. We've got to go this way. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Okay, let's do it. And so, but it, it, credit to you. I remember Donna saying something like, oh, my God, that was just so easy to fill out the application. It felt so like you weren't getting us to jump through hoops. We weren't having to invest weeks. We tried and kept it organic so that it just actually it flowed was, through. Yeah. It was such a great flow. It really did then speak to the experience as a customer from our perspective about your brand, which I went, yeah. oh, that's good. In COVID, they're not making us go through hoops for the next seven days to pull all these documents together that we just don't have time to do. We've got to sell. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, that was a really good um, experience for us. But then back on what you just said, um, don't ask, don't get, right? Like pick up the phone to you, pick up the totally. phone to us, pick up the phone to NRA, pick up the phone to people who are doing it. Ring Culture Kings and speak to them. Like for yeah. me, it's about right now more than ever, if COVID has taught us anything while we've all been locked in our bedrooms to learn lessons about what the world really should be like, right? I like we, your bedroom, by the way. Yeah, thanks. It's pretty cool, <laughs> hey? <laughs> there are beds here, you know. Um, it, what, what it's taught us, and reminded us of is that community and connection is actually king. And Same. for us, that means having conversations and yep. that conversation must translate to digital connection. And we all do it. Like 
X, Y, Z, the generations of today, I mean, my kids have not known a world without a technology device. Yeah. And even though their dad will nag at them about not trying to do double or triple screens, he has no idea that that is what they were born with. So yeah. we've got to just connect this um, old way of doing things to a new way of communication, but they can blend perfectly together where we can have that that pure experience of omni-channel and and look i still look back at the the people i met 10 years ago at that um first national retail association um no it was um, online, online retail, retail, online retail yeah yeah oh, and it was before there were all the groups and associations but the brands that stood out back then um john winning i met him yep there. um jane from bird's nest i met bird's nest yeah all before they even launched their stores they were just yep. talking about i remember sitting next to jane and her telling me her her thoughts and her story and then years later I see her as a as a killer on online and I've visited her store as well in um, regional New South Wales yeah um, the experience that is that they provide is also seamless and there is this opportunity to pick up the phone and connect to people out there doing it no one's gonna laugh at you no one's gonna make fun of you if you want a good laugh go and google some of the stories of the people that have done it in the past yeah. and then that will inspire you that you know, perfect is not necessary. Oops, sorry. My yeah. <laughs> I didn't she get doesn't get that. Siri doesn't get but, it, right? She says it no. to me regularly. <laughs> but, oh. yes, it's, it's totally true. Like, I know uh, I'm fortunate to be uh, well connected with people like Phil Lay. I've known Phil yes. for, for decades. And <laughs> likewise, some of those other people that you mentioned I know personally as well. We've all got stories of um, learnings that we've done where it's cost us thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, depending on the, the entity. But the one thing I, I find really reassuring and refreshing in the digital space is the majority of the ecosystem is happy to help each other. It is a, a, around that mantra of a rising tide, all ships rise. And... Yeah, I would really encourage anybody to reach out to any, whether it's on LinkedIn or or um, Facebook groups or whichever tech stack you want to use, just reach out and ask the questions because, you know, I know I always say to new clients that are coming on to me and the team within LAMP, there is no silly question because I will throw different anagrams around because I've been working and playing in the space for a lot of years but that doesn't mean that I've got any more knowledge. It's just that I've shortened things down and I just throw out words that sometimes don't mean anything to a client. And it's like, just ask me straight away and I'll tell you and I'll tell you, you know, what I've done in my life personally and professionally that's cost me money and so that you don't make those same mistakes. And I know that people like Yaz and Phil and, and John are more than happy to share their, their experiences and their failures as well um, because we only learn really through our failures. Um, our failures always teach us a hell of a lot more than than our winnings yeah. bad, fast, choice, right? bad choice of words with John winning winnings. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> sorry about that guys. Uh, and talk about customer experience and they are oh, they the world record holder in the country or in the world, probably around NPS and their, their yep. capabilities. And yeah. they're, they're a great brand to follow because they're authentic. And here's the key, right? Once upon a time, we lived in a world where you would put your, and for women especially, where you would put your man suit on, go to work and yep. think that you had to go killing it and I'm all this professional <laughs> and I'm awesome, right? But the reality is that the more authentic you are and the more of your personality that you show and the more of the cracks and the vulnerability that you share, the screw-ups, the failings, the, 
the, yep. the tears and the fears and, you know, over a few beers, sharing all of that stuff that's real. Um, I call it, you know, we need to show more of the real real and less of the show real. So Instagram looks awesome, but no one has the perfect, you know, filters going on in life. So actually unleash, take your suit off, show who you really are. Don't walk in with the armor on because when you do that and people can see who you really are and what you're really all about, I think that speaks more volume for your brand and what you're doing as an organization than any marketing or awesome looking website. You can slap it together like we have had to do in the past um and I feel like we're going from you know um, primary school to high school right we're transitioning with the support of lamb through this um, digital lifeline that we can now really grow up but if we never started it we never would have got to where we are now we never would have even been an option we wouldn't have we had to show our true colors and I think that there just needs to be a bit more of that going on totally and I I think the other thing is as well to use your analogy, we're taking you from primary school to high school. That doesn't mean that you stop there either. And I think this is where you see those brands that really excel at it, they're never prepared to settle on where they are right now. So that's why I always say that progress over perfection because you get somebody to high school, but, oh, I now want to go and do my undergrad degree. You do that, then you want to go back to do your master's. Why do you keep on wanting to do that? Because you're wanting to strive and keep on improving and bettering yourself. The same applies to your to your ecosphere within the digital landscape, and it's just taking those learnings, taking those advice that other people give you, and injecting them back within your market. Um, yeah. Because you know, I may share an idea that I've seen work in hair and beauty, but you're in pharmacy or you're in hardware. Does that mean it's not going to work? No, it probably will work. It's just you've got to pivot and change the idea a bit. But at the end of the day. We as humans are very used to to pattern behaviour, so it's about taking the patterns that we know and love and just adapting them to whatever vertical you work you're working in. Yeah, and Beck, you did that for us when we went into that winter garden store, like beautiful shoe store, all the fancy shoes, garage sale, <laughs> merchandising. Yeah. It was never going to fit right. But with the support of NRA, we were able to have beautiful window displays, which taught our team how to do window displays, which gave them some confidence to play around and do some new window displays, all from the ability to learn from people who are industry best. So, again, you know, MVP, our little attempt, then scaled up to this professional level. And then our team were able to learn and feel more confident and build their own skills. And I think that that's a great example of sharing knowledge and just not being afraid to ask for help when you need it absolutely and as as yes said please call us up you know if you've got any marketing workplace relations anything like that we're more than happy to help lend our expertise especially during these times um so i cannot wait to see where this website goes in the next few months i think it's just going to go from strength to strength and neville can we again thank you very much for partnering with us um, to deliver this amazing lifeline. Um, It was really inspirational to see businesses reaching out to help during COVID-19 when, especially when everything was closed and during all the uncertainty, um, you know, it's always look for the helpers and there's always going to be helpers out there. So. No, totally, totally excited about it as well, Beck. And yeah, um, like what you've said, if any of your members do need assistance, please uh, feel free to reach out through the NRA or reach out to me directly. 
um, via our website or LinkedIn, etc. I'm more than happy to you know help any um, retailer out there that's still struggling. And I think there's still going to be tough times for the next 12 months in this post-COVID world or COVID current world, whatever we want to call it. Yeah. Well, thank you both for taking time out of your day to catch up for this little chat. And um, I'm sure we'll see more of you soon. Definitely. Thanks, Beck. Thanks for all the Thanks, work Beck. you guys do. It's Thanks, awesome. Beck. Want to know more about the Australian retail industry? Visit nra.net.au for more insights just like these.